I am ready to go if you are. I am. I'm always ready. And by always, I mean almost never. The Zack Ryder approach to being ready. <laughs> always have your gear, never use it. My goodness. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of your favorite weekly, bi-weekly, on occasion, is it just us two yelling at the clouds wrestling podcast? You yell at the clouds, too? I, You know, you wouldn't think so, but, you know, you, you feel older. I've seen your streams. On. I've seen your yeah. streams. I, I can understand it. <laughs> uh, I am the oldest 28-year-old on the planet. That's for sure. Hi, Crash. How are you? I am so good. Yeah. I, I didn't watch the match, but we can get the, seg the segment out of the way. Did Bray Wyatt wrestle this week? He sure did. Did he, though? Oh, yeah, I guess. I, I actually didn't watch the match. It's one of the only matches I didn't watch. Oh, well, don't worry. Nobody else in the fucking building saw it all that well either. So. <laughs> oh, my God. So today we are going to talk about our, our usual dip the toe into the AEW and WWE pools. And we'll talk some history as well on this day, recording February 1st, 2023. What the hell happened to January? Who's to say? Crash Andrews, we have three doors. Where are you intrigued in going first? Normally, I like playing this game, but every so often a, a topic pops up that uh, that kind of, you know, trumps um, <laughs> the uh, the door guessing. I, I we we didn't get a chance to talk Jay Briscoe. Did you know, that's that was going to be one of the big things. Yeah, as we have. Yeah, so. Um, I, I would like to skip guessing and just jump into uh, a loss uh, professional wrestling and sports entertainment uh, experience with the uh, the passing of Jay Briscoe. Yeah, I mean, I God, it's been been over two weeks already, and I don't really have too much to add to it, although, you know, in an AEW sense, that was kind of aside from. You know, I was going to probably mention some of the things that happened on tonight's show. Um, I, in a general sense, I hope Darby Allen can walk when he's 40. That's my summary of, <laughs> of Dynamite that I have really, really been enjoying. I feel like they've been killing it since the new year uh, has, has started. Um, but yeah, obviously, the biggest thing was probably last week and, and Mark Briscoe's appearance on Dynamite and just how emotional that was and really that's been my biggest takeaway from it and it continued um with the funeral service i don't know if you saw any of that live stream i saw bits and pieces i did see the entirety of mark briscoe's speech um my biggest takeaway from all of this is that i am very envious of a person like mark briscoe in regards to the strength and his conviction, his beliefs, how strongly he believes that he can handle a situation like this the way that he can. In a general sense, for me, that is something that I wish I had. And maybe someday I'll find it. Because if I, I know if I were to put hit if I were to put myself in his shoes. You wouldn't see me on national television eight days later. You might not even see me on national television eight years later. Just in terms of, I feel like how most people would have to try to handle and deal with the grief of a tragedy like this. It's unbelievable. Um, I haven't watched the Ring of Honor based tribute show because that's almost too tough of a watch, you know, uh, as someone who you know, um, remembered seeing the Owen Hart tribute show when I was a child and not really fully understanding, but kind of understanding. And then, you know, as a child, very much being cognizant of what was going on with the Eddie Guerrero tribute shows. They're just so difficult to watch um, that you got to kind of like if you got to kind of be in the right mindset to dedicate the time to it. Um, 
there's just not that much else I feel like that can be said at this point in regards to Jay Briscoe that hasn't been said by the friends, family, the people that shared a locker room with him. Um, the Briscoes are the best tag team of a generation. And they did it without being in one of the big two, specifically the biggest as well, promotion at any point in their history. There is still some frustration for me in knowing that it was 100% confirmed, essentially, that they were not allowed to perform on AEW television due to a decades-old tweet that he more than redeemed himself for and for the fact that they used to wear gear that featured the Confederate flag. Now, I am very much against what he said. I am very much against how some people choose to represent that particular piece of cloth. Um, neither of those should have been reasons as to why they were off television. And I've tried my best as a fan to not like essentially harbor that frustration and to just focus on, you know, what an amazing career Jay Briscoe had to look at what has been said about him since by the people that knew him best and to see the, like I said, the strength and conviction that someone like Mark Briscoe has had at a time like this. You take the positive lessons away from those instead of focusing more so on the negative, and that's been my big takeaway. But it's was a major, major loss to the wrestling world that, again, two weeks on, doesn't even seem real still. It's... It's one of those deaths that is going to come back and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. That happened. And you're going to get bummed out multiple times as the year goes on, as the years go on. You had way more access than I did to Ring of Honor um, mm. throughout, call it the last 20 years. Now, I mean, with the advent of... Uh, or the the rise of the internet and make it sound like a Terminator movie, but with the <laughs> rise of the internet, um, obviously access is what you want out of it. You know, should I have gone and seen more ROH? Uh, absolutely. As far as I'm concerned, guys like the Briscoes would pop up on my timelines uh, easily once or twice a month. And over the past few, maybe called two, three, four years, at least once or twice a week, without being in one of the big two, as you said. So I got a sense of their style, their shtick, their gimmick. I still don't know, and I'm sure you can confirm it for me. Were they actually Blood Brothers, or are they just yes. on-screen brothers? No, They're yeah, actual they, brothers. Fair. Yes. Uh, which doesn't surprise me either, because, I mean, you talked about the live stream of the uh, of the funeral. Mark Briscoe, uh, they say to be an absolutely successful wrestler, you have to take your personality and tune it up to 11, sometimes 12. These guys did it to 14 and were absolutely stellar just based on what I saw. I mean, <laughs> the first clip I saw was Mark Briscoe in a hoodie <laughs> at a funeral. I'm like, mm. yeah, that that's them. That I mean, the Confederate flag. Yeah, there was a time where um you could go to any truck stop on any highway and buy one and a large one. Uh I believe it was on the side of the General Lee, <laughs> Dukes of Hazard. Like there was we're getting as history grows, we're getting different definitions of what should and shouldn't happen. Mm. And unfortunately, or fortunately for the Briscoes, I mean, they use that. Did they believe in it? I don't know. Did they use it as a character? Sure. Did they run with it and become uber successful? Yes. And I honestly think that there's something about those guys. I don't see them jumping to NXT or, or WWE. They would have put them in like silly hats and, and stupid gear. I mean, FTR was heading that way. So the only way we would have seen them is on AEW, on mainstream wrestling. 
as far as I'm concerned. I don't think that they even impact would have handled them correctly. So like without obviously one offs here and there happened, but it it is a damn shame that we didn't get to see um the legends that were the Briscoes on mainstream wrestling television. Will we see Mark? I hope so. It's he'll always have that cloud of like, let's just say they he actually gets a contract and runs on AEW and ends up with the TNT title. Now we have that cloud of, well, he's only getting that because of, right? Like, I think WCW did it. Yeah. WCW did it to an extent with Brett after Owen died. Um, There was a little bit of, well, they're only doing that because Owen passed away and they want to capitalize on it. It's a business. Tony Khan can do whatever he wants with this as long as he doesn't, you know, I don't know, sensationalize it. I think how he's handled it is good, but we have to kind of get to a line in the sand of, you know, where, where do we go with this from here? And there's grieving that still needs to be done. There's understanding that still needs to be done. We may never understand it, but at the end of the day, I, I, that's the, I agree with you. The takeaway here is like good on somebody who should have never have been put in that situation. Uh, and how he handled it. Uh, I, I fear that day. I've got an older brother. Uh, my parents are in their seventies. I fear the day I have to, uh, stand in front of people and tell, uh, people who already know how good of humanitarians they are, how good of a humanitarian they were. (laughs) And there isn't that spotlight that, that these guys had either. But, uh, yeah, seeing the timeline of, uh, Almost every professional wrestler I follow had something positive to say about Jay Briscoe. I, I wish I saw more. Uh, honestly, it, I haven't gone back yet. I wanted to kind of sink in a little bit and not be because he passed away. I actually kind of want to have a clear mind of it. Go and see his, uh, from what I've heard, anytime they stepped in the ring with FTR, it was magic. So They literally ended their run now they had one match in december before this happened but they essentially ended their careers putting on the three best matches of their careers and that's i suppose debatable you know you go through an outlet like cage match the three most highly ranked matches of their careers are the three matches against ftr in the year 2022 um but beyond that El Generico and Kevin Steen in 2007 are must, must watches. Um, they, you know, I, I'm someone who from pretty much 2002 to 2000, uh, 2013, I have seen essentially every Ring of Honor show in that time. I am so glad that I watched them, you know, to see obviously all the great talent that went through the doors, but you know, to be able to like look at a cage match and to see these matches and just be like, Oh, okay. I remember that. I saw that. I don't have to search it out. I have fond memories of it. And now I'm not going to be sad that I had to go out and search it out afterwards. Like, you know, those are core memories as a wrestling fan that are very much, very much intact. I, I envy the hell out of you. Honestly, as we say, like, you know, it sucks that somebody had to die to, to feel this way, but like to be able to watch those live, like I'll know what had happened before I have a chance to watch it. If I slip onto the wrong website or, you know, there's no such thing as a wrong website on the internet, but, um, um, one of the little side notes to this too, is it go kind of goes to show you how the WWE has really screwed up their tag team division by trying to manufacture it as opposed to bring up guys who have been doing it together for 5, 10, 20 years as tag teams. They dropped the ball with FTR. They had the Young Bucks at one time. Dropped the ball there. Look at uh, some of their best tag teams. Uh, The Hardys, our blood brothers. Uh, Edge and Christian had been doing it in Toronto for easily a decade before they both got in. Um, 
who am I thinking of? The Dudley Boys had had a storied career before coming to WWE or WWF at the time. Uh, The Briscoes, they didn't get a chance to utilize them, but they would have screwed it up too because, uh, I don't know, the Usos. Like, if you have... Jim and Anvil were uh, brothers-in-law. The Rockers had been doing it in a different group in a different federation before stepping foot in WWF, right? Yeah. You just have to have that combination. It's rare to have two guys work so well. If you go, hey, you know what? We're going to try you on main event, and you guys are going to be a tag team. You guys have never wrestled together before, but better have some chemistry right away. A little little side rant, I guess. (laughs) I don't think you're wrong. Um, But yeah. It's um, been tough. It's been sad. It's been tough. And then obviously, you know, it's the, the, the tragedy beyond the passing, obviously, is knowing that his, his daughters were involved in the accident and are hopefully on the continued road to recovery. But yeah, in the meantime, it's just it's brutal. Brutal. It's the only way to put it. But like I said, there are some positives to take out of it. And, you know, hopefully people like yourself and others in the aftermath of it search out a lot of this stuff because yeah, some of the best wrestling matches I've ever seen in my life have been involving Jay and Mark Briscoe. There's no proper turn. No, um, but (laughs) we will make that. We will make that hard right turn. Like I said, AEW wise, that, that probably is the biggest topic of conversation aside from the fact that again, I'm just really enjoying Everything that they're doing right now, I think for the most part, they're they have a pretty high batting average as things go right now, heading towards their pay per view in about a month's time. Let's talk about a pay per view that just happened. Let's talk about, as Vince McMahon once called it, the Royal Rumble. When did he call it that? <laughs> it's like the 1991 or 92 intro. You remember when he used to do. Like, oh, tonight, the Royal Rumble, <laughs> yeah. you have Tatanka, and all Dick that. the shit. Snake Roberts. The Immortal. the Royal Rumble. He said the Rumble. My fucking just, just, throat is killing me from that alone. By the when, way. You, when you said that, it just reminded me of Bret Hart could never call it SummerSlam. It was always the SummerSlam. The SummerSlam. <laughs> <laughs> and he always used to call it the WWF, and it's like, okay, and then he would call it the WCW the world championship wrestling. It's like, right. It doesn't work anymore. Davy boy. When I meet you at the SummerSlam, right. So I was working. So I caught, um, I haven't watched a lot of it, but I did see the aftermath of the main event and I did see all of the men's and then caught up on some of the cool stuff that happened in, in the other matches. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had not watched Hardy's not related performance other than a little clip after they said don't uh, no yeah yeah the clip that i saw was like whoever the sound guy was on that uh should not tour (laughs) with these guys Mm. you know your biggest stage probably that you've ever experienced and boy did they ever screw that up so legitimately the worst musical performance i can ever recall yeah on a wwe broadcast and that's Say saying a lot want. because because Limp Biscuit and Kid Rock have performed. <laughs> Limp Biscuit, Kid Rock, Fozzie in like 2002. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of the Motorhead performances where Lemmy was just out of it. It's all about the game and how you game mm-hmm. it. It's all about mm-hmm. the game. Can you game, game it? it again, like, game it again. <laughs> like, Jesus. Um, yeah, just the the worst. I mean, you might as well. You know, yeah, let's talk about the worst. You want to talk about that Hardy performance? The middle of this show of a five match card. So really we're counting matches two, three, and some of four. Were bad. They were just bad. Bray Wyatt and LA Knight. Now I watched this whole pay-per-view, by the way, Crash Andrews, and I don't yes, think sir. I would have had it not been for this show with you. But it's the Royal Rumble. And out of pure intrigue, I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not having to order it on the WWE Network. I pay five bucks for Peacock, and I'm not directly supporting WWE, at least by a crazy amount. They get paid no matter what, whatever. 
I was able to rationalize it in my head. Bray Wyatt is dead as a character. Yeah. Yep. It's it's well, over. I mean this is this is a this has been our meme. This has been a feud that's gone on for about two months. Mm-hmm. If not three. Like there was no the buildup was talking. And the only people that I've ever seen be able to do that are The Rock, Stone Cold, uh, Triple H, Undertaker, Sean, and maybe Brett. Mm. Where, like, no contact whatsoever, but they only had maybe two, three weeks to build up their match. We've known that this match was going to happen. We didn't know how it was going to happen, but we've known this match was going to happen uh, at least two months ago. Like, there was... there, Like, the visits in the ring from Uncle Howdy, the brief interactions they had, it just... I would have rather have seen, like, Bray Wyatt have a match on SmackDown against L.A. Knight. And L.A. Knight beat him. And then that just furthers the anger of Bray Wyatt. But at least we would have had physicality and not just like one uh, one spot or one move. Like, this was executed so poorly. And I'll give you credit again. As soon as Bray Wyatt came back, you said, I sure hope they don't screw this up again. Because they have not handled Bray Wyatt in a WWE ring, well, except for maybe like peak Bray Wyatt was NXT. Mm-hmm. Good Bray Wyatt transitioned, and then it was kind of a slow burn down to what we have right now. You can argue that The Fiend was one of the hottest characters, but in ring, they really bungled him. Um, you could argue that teaming him up with broken Matt Hardy would should have been one of the coolest things they've ever done. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it just, they, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they give him too much creative control, too much leash. Uh, I don't know if they just don't understand if it's Vince coming back and to anybody who says, Oh, Vince isn't part of creative. Come on, come on. (laughs) Vince will come back and not have his, not have his finger on it. So I don't know. I don't, I just, I don't understand why I understand why that match fell. Didn't pick up the heat that it should have, but I don't understand it as well. There's a reason why on the Wikipedia page for one Wyndham rotunda, there is a section called criticism of why it's booking in WWE. Yeah. Bottom line is this, like the man, I root for, I, from what, you know, you can be very empathetic, yeah. essentially, especially with what he said in recent memories and more public um, kind of moments, you know, especially too in the aftermath of the passing of Brody Lee, he's been very open about how that's affected him, yep. to be very empathetic towards the man, the character. I just, I, I just don't like. Where do we even go from here? Because every time it's like, oh well, maybe this time. And that match on Saturday was as bad as any other match that I can recall. The weird freaking fighting in the, the the haunted house with Randy Orton, the swamp fight with Braun Strowman. Like you think of the worst of the worst of this character, and this is right up there with it. Now. Were they boxed in by, hey, we have a sponsored match and we got to do this? Sure, maybe. But even then, if you don't want to say like, well, the match itself under black lights, it was kind of interesting. Kids would like it. It is what it is. Sure. Five minute match. Where's the harm? It's the continued aftermath of nonsense of we're going to fight into the crowd and then Uncle Howdy is going to appear on a platform and we're going to have a camera angle that clearly shows him missing LA night by a good six feet. I had a tweet <laughs> that went semi-viral saying he almost landed in LA Los Angeles. That is uh, because he missed LA night by that fucking much. Yeah. 
And then Pyro goes off as he drops the elbow. <laughs> yep. It's just, like like you said, I don't I don't know who this is. I don't know if this is him and his vision and how I'm going to make this. I don't know. But what I do know is that I don't like it. No. If someone else is enjoying this, more power to you. My opinion for what I look for to wrestling, for what I think uh, the man behind the Bray Wyatt character can do, for what I think the Bray Wyatt character can be, this is the shits. Yep. Do you think and, do you think he'd be handled better in AEW? And, no. and before before you answer, and you just did. Um <laughs> I was gonna say something else and now I just lost it because you said no. No. <laughs> um no, I, I don't think he would either. And I don't know if it's I don't know if you need the big budget of everything else for Bray Wyatt, or if he could just run kind of the same character as Bray Wyatt. Like, I wonder if that's what it is. Like we know they're putting money into it. They put money into the fiend. They put money into, uh, the firefly Funhouse, the firefly Funhouse match. Okay. Which was better that or the mountain dew pitch black match. You're going <laughs> to freaking kick me in the balls or punch me in the balls. Crash. Like, what, uh, what's the difference here? I just, it's, he's not stale. Just the shtick of End trying of October, to, he was the most over person in wrestling. Yes. Trying to, well, no, he wasn't. White Rabbit was. And whether or not you believed or didn't believe that it was going to be him in the end is beside the point. White Rabbit was one of the biggest things WWE has done, professional wrestling has seen almost since um, the, the rise of AEW. I'd almost go even back, like just the the chatter about it and everything. Um, the advent of the dirt sheets, like when like Jericho crossing over, there was murmurs, but you didn't really know or anything like that. They had something huge. And I don't think it's Bray Wyatt who's screwing this up. I, I agree with you 100%. I'd love to see Bray Wyatt. What his I. I Here's what I want. I want to see the behind the scenes WWE documentary on the White Rabbit, the return, and the pitch black match. And get like the behind the scenes kayfabe or non kayfabe chat about how that all came to be and, and who was mainly responsible. It definitely has the feeling that he was. People are bound to make the connection that he was more hands-on with the white rabbit stuff. And that was good. And then once he loses control, you get the pitch black match is how people are, are naturally going to, to feel things went. I think, I think the reason why the sponsored match was theirs is because they thought that they had, they still had all the original heat uh, on the return of Bray Wyatt. And what they didn't realize was the longer they let that go on, the less interested everybody was. There was then Bianca Belair beating Alexa Bliss in seven and a half minutes. It just was what it was. Like, no one was really overly invested, and really it just served as a... the Alexa Bray... Like, There's another slow burn thing. that's just not working. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about it in depth, really. I just want to move on. Um... So that brings us, and then I mentioned kind of half bad. The first half of the women's rumble was a bit iffy. We'll get to that in a minute. I want to start off with the men's yep. rumble. Um, won by Cody Rhodes, of course, to the really the surprise of of nobody. Um, highlighted by Gunta, yes, going almost the distance, which was awesome. Yes, that Absolutely. was awesome. Absolutely. Like you want to talk about solidifying a guy. Even more so as a monster. I can't, I can fault WWE booking in a lot of ways. He has been booked so much better than as a fan of his who has watched, you know, was watching progress back in the day in some WXW. Yes, I'm that type of wrestling nerd. I never envisioned him looking like they could, they could make him come out wearing a later hose next week. And I will still say, you know what? He got farther than I thought he would. He is the uh, the record holder now for the longest run in a uh, Royal Rumble match. That Him? doesn't include the greatest Royal Rumble, though. 
that's how they get you. Because the uh, greatest uh, uh, Royal Rumble Daniel Bryan? was the Saudi Arabian Rumble in which Daniel Bryan went, I think, even uh, five minutes longer, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so, yeah, the times, one, uh, uh, one hour, 11 minutes for Kunta, and one hour, 16 minutes for Daniel Bryan. But can't mention that anymore. The... Just like how when they mentioned, uh, you wouldn't have heard it, but commentary-wise, they mentioned and Kevin Owens, who beat Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble in 2017, thanks to help from a friend. <laughs> who was the friend? I forget. Oh, um, just a certain AEW staple who happens to have a stable of people and uh, an appreciation society, dare you say. Oh, yeah, it was gotcha. a pretty good line. I like that. Um, I like that. Um, in general, Gunther, just really quickly on Gunther, Gunther going mm-hmm. nose to nose with Brock Lesnar. They better not screw that up because holy Hannah. The crowd went absolutely bonkers for that, and I want to see that match. If it leads to Mania. Yes. Which it should, and probably yes. will. Yes. It leads to Mania, and Lesnar wins. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if you do that. Because mm. I think Lesnar's in this mode. Um, He's not in any of the pictures. He could walk in and, and be... Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think taking the time off and everything, it would make sense for him to go in and beat Roman Reigns for one, if not both of the titles. But that's not the story that they're trying to progress. So the on again, off again, what his schedule is and everything like that, I would imagine that this could be a star making moment for Gunther. He's the IC title champion right now, which nobody cares about. We're in that lull that it's improved since he's had it it. has but it's not jericho it's not miz it's not at where it should be as a mid card almost see if they can run with the heavyweight title i i would say if i were booking i could easily justify a gunther win at wrestlemania and give brock lesnar a little bit more time off again because i'll Put money down right now after Mania. We don't see Brock Lesnar for two months. I'd be okay with that. <laughs> um, you know, aside from that, the Rumble did set up quite a bit. You know, they set up Lesnar, Lashley, which, yeah, whatever. Seen it. Yeah. Yeah. They set up Seth Rollins and Logan Paul. I cringed when I saw Logan Paul come out. <laughs> I'm I'm not sold on him yet. And don't get me wrong, what he's done in a very short amount of time has been nothing short of phenomenal. But he's the same. Like he shows up and then he goes away and he shows up and goes away. I don't know why somebody like Seth Rollins has to have a match with him at WrestleMania. I do know why. But in the logic of professional wrestling, or as a professional wrestling fan, um, I, I don't quite get it. But they want to put butts in seats, they want to sell merch, they want to sell Prime. Interesting that Prime is now the official drink of the UFC, mm-hmm. heading into the road to WrestleMania. Um, yeah, I, I cringed a little bit. Having said that, he put on quite a performance in the, in the amount of time that he was in the Rumble. Ian Ricochet with an all-time moment. That's for sure. Most people forget that that was done by um, CM Punk and somebody a couple years back. I can't remember who the other guy was. It wasn't Ricochet. I have no recollection, so fair uh, I, I, When I was watching the Royal Rumble live, I saw that and I was like, I've never seen that before. But then on my Twitter feed, I know it was CM Punk. I don't know if it was in an elimination chamber is what I'm thinking. Who's to say? I'll let you look that up. Um, What I do want to mention as well, uh, in terms of other setups, um, they continue to set up the Ray and Dominic Mysterio deal, which is... I hated that. I hated that so much. Not, (sighs) Not because it happened, but how they did it. Like, they didn't take a camera backstage to show that Ray was knocked out. That I they agree just, with. 
And they've set the precedence that, or the precedent that, yes. um, that anybody could come out with an injured star and go and take their spot. Edge did it at Elimination Chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, Becky and Lynch. Becky Lynch at uh, one of the the Royal Mick Rumbles Foley recently, and did it to uh, test in two thousand four. Who did that? About that. Who was that? Mick Foley uh, oh. took out Test <laughs> backstage in two thousand four. Took his spot and went out and kicked the shit out of Randy Orton leading up to their Mania match. It was awesome. So like nobody, so nobody who was on the show wanted that spot. Apparently not. Right. Like it's just that logic, right? It just yeah. I, I didn't like it. They didn't go behind the scenes to show Ray. Nobody came out to take the spot. There was just a lot about it that I was just like, they're doing this the wrong way. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, in general with Dominic, they also uh, Edge returns. They set up a lot between Edge, Beth Phoenix, Judgment Day still to get that back on track. Dominic Mysterio, uh, who will turn 26 in a few months. He's He's just... He's figured it out. That perfect yes. smarmy heel. He really, really has figured it out. I give him a ton of credit. I don't like him, but I appreciate what he's doing. He's to an extent, he's almost Bobby Heening, Bobby Heenaning this in the sense that like talk the big game, but when you get in trouble, you're like the biggest scapegoat, the biggest turn tail between your mm-hmm. legs kind of thing. He is putting perfect. together some you know, some pretty interesting um, uh, spots, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Term, but uh, yeah, for the most part, I didn't. I don't like Judgment Day, but I don't mind what they're doing. They're kind of turning it into like a comedy act, and I don't like that. Um, plus, nobody's really advancing outside of Rhea Ripley. More on that in a moment, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of a nice, it's a, it's a nice here and there kind of thing. Like it's what he's doing is okay, but the sum of all parts aren't great. I'm, I'm a fan of it. I'll just leave it at that. I'm a fan of it. Um, they also teased, uh, Braun Strowman and Omos. And nobody gave a shit. Braun <laughs> tried so hard to get people to make some noise. Come on. Like, yeah, waving the hands oh, up. Oh, I loved it. Given what a fucking douchebag that guy makes himself out to be. I, oh, I adored it. I just adored watching Braun Strowman in a spot where nobody cared. It was great. It was great. No, um, I, I liked how they set things up in this one. I didn't. The only real surprise, I think, was Booker T. So, okay, I was about to get to that, right? I was about to get to that. So let let me cover that real quick. So we mentioned all the stuff about them teasing things or, you know, them setting things up. You have Cody come out at number 30, which I thought was perfect because there was no like, is it Sami Zayn? Cody coming out at 30. Perfect. Okay. Were you like me? Were you doing the math the entire time? We're like, um. I don't it, like I was like, oh, no, it that might be the rock. OK, so there's three left. Cody Rhodes hasn't come out yet. Um, If this guy doesn't come out, then it could be the rock. And then like I was I was more nervous that the rock was going to come out. And I'm glad that Cody Rhodes, I was actually like, OK, they're going to do Cody Rhodes at 30, which is a good spot. Um, But the entire time, like from 24 on i was legitimately like doing the math of like okay mm-hmm. who has announced who makes sense coming out um and like absolutely like biting my nails that the rock was going to come out and win at 29 or 30 which would have been absolutely horrible agreed now mentioning the rock that would have been a surprise yes this rumble Lacked surprises and returns. Yes. I understand. Like now let me let me say this. Logan Paul, surprising? More of a return. Yes, Edge. but nobody expected it. Nobody expected him to be there. Because he was hurt. 
Even at that, but like if he wasn't, if he didn't get hurt in that match against Roman, I 100% expected him to be on this card. Otherwise, yep. I guess yeah. Edge, a return. Yes. The only real surprise of this rumble was Booker T. Right. Why? Right. Because, no disrespect to the guy, why the fuck did Elias need to be in this for 39 seconds? Yes. Could that not have been your Zack Ryder, your whoever the fuck? Why didn't... Why? Why didn't they... Why didn't they bring out Ezekiel like two guys later? Let let's right? go to the back, shave the beard, off. and Ezekiel comes out would have been absolutely amazing. And a lot of people are like, oh, the face is a Foley. No, Foley didn't shave his damn beard off. <laughs> you know what would have been perfect? If it, is that Eli- Elias Ezekiel comes out, comes out first. <laughs> no, Elias comes out at 16, gets yeah. eliminated. Yeah. Then Aaron, here's Rey Mysterio. Oh shit, where's Rey? And Ezekiel claims Rey Mysterio's spot. Yeah, Ezekiel shows up to the officials in the back and like, I, I'm ready. I've got my gear. Let's do it. <laughs> I honestly, as soon as I saw uh, Elias get eliminated as quickly as he did, I was like, yes, we're getting Ezekiel in the in the Royal Rumble because he could take two, three weeks off and he'd have that beard back in in no time. So, yeah, <sighs> I just that was that that was an absolute opportunity missed was not having a, a Ezekiel in the Royal Rumble, which would have been a huge, uh, huge surprise. I don't think anybody would have expected that at all. I, yeah, just that and just other instances. Like, again, if you wanted to have, like, Otis in there to play along with Chad Gable, but, like, yeah, they were just, you know, that was the primary entry oh for me. And Elias, where it's like, why is he in there unless you're also doing the Ezekiel thing? Otis um, waddling down to the ramp, (laughs) waddling down to the ring. He is fun. I'll give him was one of my favorite things of the Royal Rumble. Like, I love his character. I don't think uh, he was one of the hottest things at the time and got the money in the bank briefcase. Probably deserve it. But for some reason, they didn't end up running with it as they thought, which was kind of dumb. But Mm. uh, yeah, just his, you know, the arms out like he's buff and, you know, just just penguin waddling (laughs) down the one of the world's longest ramps uh, to the uh, to the ring was absolutely amazing. It was one of my favorite things of the whole night. So my initial reaction to the rumble was kind of meh. A couple days later, I'm a lot warmer to it. A lot warmer to it. It was it's not top tier, top five rumble of all time. It was a good rumble, though. I'll give him credit for that. So I get that he wouldn't have been final two or final three or final four. But having Roman Reigns in those final four spots over the past decade really took the the wind out of the end of a Royal Rumble. When Cody Mm -hmm. comes out at 30, you can basically write or take it to the bank that he is going to win the Royal Rumble. There wasn't really too many spots where he was in danger of that, but you wanted to see how it was going to happen, how him and Gunther went another, like almost 15 minutes after, uh, number three was eliminated. Like they went a long time. They, um, I'm trying to look it up here. Yeah. I was never convinced that Gunther was going to win, but I wanted to see more of those two going at it. Yeah. Cody was in. Honestly, go ahead. Cody was in for 15 minutes after entering number 30. Yes. Like that just doesn't happen. Um, I'm quickly looking up prior years. Well, Brock came in at 30 last year. Yeah, and pretty much. <laughs> I don't think he was in there for 15 minutes. No, I uh, think that last was like year's five. Women's Rumble number 30, Shayna Baszler, five minutes. Last year's Men's Rumble, Brock Lesnar, two minutes, 32 seconds wins the thing. Yep. What about um, not Shayna Baszler? Uh, Ronda Rousey was 30 last year as well. I think. Uh she was not. Maybe oh, the year she before. Wasn't. Maybe you're thinking of the year before. In, in all honesty, the past couple of Rumbles. I thought it was. Um, I thought number she was like in 
2021 was Natalia, who went two minutes. Men's Rumble was Strowman, who lasted seven minutes. Yeah, it's like Cody's performance. Essentially, that doesn't happen. That was very, very well booked. Where did do you have it handy? Where was uh, Ronda Rousey? I don't know. Last year <laughs> and won it. I'm pretty. I, d- I don't so, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no disrespect, but today is her birthday, which is the only thing to really talk about in terms of history, aside from like Lex Luger made his WWE debut on this day in 1993. Um, no Seinfeld disrespect. Oh. I don't give a fuck where Ronda Rousey was in that rumble. <laughs> Just to just to complete my thought, I'm pretty sure it was in like the 27, 28, 29 and ended up winning it. Like as soon as you sure. saw her come out, you kind of rolled your eyes and knew what was happening last year. That, I think that was, was a huge improvement was, from last year. Did she win it last year? Yeah, she pretty did. Sure she won 28 it. and she was in there for 10 minutes. OK, there you go. Now you do give enough of a fuck. <laughs> I guess because you won't shut up. About <laughs> Wearing me down. Um yes. So the women's rumble then. The main issue with this is that not enough of this division is over. Yeah. It never is that, though. Yeah. They have to fill the women's Royal Rumble, and I don't mean any disrespect by this. They have to fill the women's Royal Rumble with the past, which are always great surprises until you know, you get kind of get to the point where you've done five of these and or three or four of these. And it's like, OK, here's and don't get me wrong. I love the Michelle McCool spot, but oh, here's Michelle McCool again. Oh, Trish Stratus comes out. Oh, Luda comes out. Like, uh, I know most of those names didn't come out, but no, they Michelle McCool did, though. <laughs> you know what? I actually liked how they built this because it social media. They're, they were aware of social media to an extent of her saying, you know, I'm just going as a fan. I had to buy a ticket. And sure enough, her ticket was right behind the announcers. And she got that number... Undertaker money. <laughs> she didn't make enough of her own, but... She knows a guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then her music plays, and she looks around and gets up in sweatpants and takes her jacket off. Like, I thought that was actually really well done. It was one of those things where you say, like, I want to see things that I've never seen before. I'd never seen that. Like she almost had the look of like, oh, I have a spot. Okay. Better go kick ass. Mm. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's Michelle McCool. She's not going to win the Royal Rumble. But like how they actually executed this, I was actually a really big fan of. Outside of the re-debut of, of Piper Niven, which was awesome. Thank God yep. they are not trying to instantly bury her. Um, Chelsea Green's five second cameo. Well, maybe not a cameo. <laughs> she's back full time, but um, and of course the two minutes of fear with Nia Jax in the ring, right? In which they blew a, a perfect for her. They fucking mistimed the entrance. Who else deserved that but her? Jesus Christ. Um, the highlight of this rumble, the final three. Liv Morgan. The eventual winner, Rhea Ripley, from yep. number one, which was the right choice. And Asuka. And the return of fucking Asuka. She's she's still the best. She is. And I, she's just I love that they're mixing up her character. I and I love what they're doing. Like the the evil clown and I, I is it Kana? Yeah. Yeah, Kana from uh when she was in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh using the spray. Um Having a little bit more demonic. This is something that I think I hate when a when an act becomes a comedy act because it's like this is the only thing we really have for you. So when I saw that, a lot of people loved the promo between her and uh, Io Sky or Io Sky. Um, yeah, I just I thought that it was just like this is what they have her doing now, as opposed to the Oscar who had one of the most impressive streaks in professional wrestling mm. um the win streak through nxt and into uh into wwe she's now, a monster she can absolutely run with this and i'm looking forward to seeing what she does with it and i'm hesitant because it's still wwe now we know that rhea ripley is going to challenge charlotte at um at wrestlemania which i hope she does get her win back it has to be Oscar Bianca Belair. It has to be. 
and that match will be amazing. I really don't want them to go the Bianca Becky route. Make it a triple threat if you want that star power in there. But holy hell, do I like you know, you give me the chance of Asuka being women's champion coming out of Mania. I'd be I'd be pretty happy with that. Well, considering her last run, she didn't win it either. It was handed to her when Becky had to leave and she had the money in the bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks for reminding everybody of that. Holy shit. Congrats on the sex, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the main event was pretty damn good. It was, from my understanding, I haven't seen all of his main event title defenses. It was very much the Roman Reigns WWE main event style match. I enjoyed it for what it was. Kevin Owens taking that like bump on the stairs where he just throws himself back is mm-hmm. so McFoley-ish. Mm-hmm. Like just looks disgusting, even though he can take it relatively safely. It's because Kevin Owens is the fucking best. Um, right. There is not much we can say about this main event and the ending final 15 minutes of this show that hasn't been said. Legitimately, one of the greatest segments in WWE history featuring one of the loudest pops of all fucking time. An all timer. There are not too many clips you can put above that one. At best, for most of the ones in the competition, it's level playing field. Holy hell. That was, I think everybody expected it, but there were hints uh, of what was happening that I don't think uh, people expected. There, uh, while it was still going on, I I saw Sami Zayn possibly continuing, even though knowing that like it's been leaked that that's the main event for um, Elimination Chamber. Uh, I I don't know why Jay Uso left. So like I do, but I don't. It, it's I... another one of these where it's like. It makes sense, but it kind of doesn't. Yeah, so I did uh, the, you know, I, I did some digging and other people did the proper amount of digging in terms of the research of the storyline. And this was stuff that I missed because this storyline started when I wasn't watching this company whatsoever. This is in the Thunderdome, isn't it? Yes, and essentially the start of it was um Roman and the Usos feuding back and forth when Roman was initially establishing the whole tribal chief character. And essentially, Jay was fighting against Roman Reigns in that regard. Yes. And inside Hell in a Cell, which was really an angle more than the match, Roman was just beating the shit out of Jimmy until Jay fell in line. And then over time, it was Jimmy Uso who essentially develops Stockholm Syndrome and is the happy one being alongside Roman, whereas Jay just kind of falls in line. And then the whole Sammy factor comes up. There is a tremendous thread on Twitter um, that I am trying to find that I recommend everybody look at. I'll see if I can find it here. before the end of this podcast, but it is in terms of a story, it is legitimately one of the best stories they have ever had as a company in their history. Very few moments can touch it. And it makes me wonder just where they go from here. Yeah. And honestly, I am okay if it is Sammy and Roman at Elimination Chamber, but then as announced, you get Roman and Cody at Mania. See, one of the things I I like about how we're explaining the bloodline Mm -hmm. is that it's not a faction. It's a story. Mm -hmm. And this has been... Okay, so go back to what we were talking about Bray Wyatt. This has been going on for two years, not two months, but they've been involved. Like we're constantly seeing professional wrestlers wrestle. 
So mm-hmm. it's never gotten stale. And the moment that it kind of feels like it's gotten stale, they put in a new wrinkle. They bring in Sami Zayn, but only with the Usos. Um, they were saying that like uh, Sami Zayn never got screen time with Roman Reigns until Triple H took over, which is recent history. So like this has been spread out for so long. Like it's almost kind of hard to, you know, go back and think like where this all started, how it started. It even started back when Paul Heyman was on the couch signing the contract with Roman Reigns. Mm. This has been one of the most amazing uh, stories that they've absolutely, uh, absolutely have put together. And it's amazing that they can do that, but they can't do anything with uh, Seamus, <laughs> the the Bang Bros, or whatever. Like, <laughs> you're telling such a good, long-term storyline here. How come you... How do the writers say, we have nothing for you, for anybody else? It's <sighs> a good question. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible. And, you know, someone who's kind of watched mostly from the outside looking in, like, I don't think people should be disappointed if it ends up being Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens winning the tag titles from the Usos as like the main event of night one of WrestleMania. I don't think people should be upset in that. I got I got a quick question for you, because I know you want to get into the history if you, if you have any. Two years in, would you take the bloodline or would you take the NWO? Oh, that's mm, two years in. In what context? Because they're just so different. Okay, so WWE could take the NWO two years in and run with them, or AEW could take the bloodline two years in and run with them. What's the better payoff for fans? It'd be the bloodline at that point. The NWO by 98 was... You were already in Wolfpack territory. Right. I didn't want to say, like, which is going to go down in history because we did have that, right? Two months into the NWO, I would have taken the NWO over the bloodline. But two years in, I think think you're right. The bloodline is uh, absolutely the, the more intriguing... Situation yeah, I mean, for professional in wrestling. In 1998, Horace Hogan, Stevie <laughs> Ray, The Disciple, Brian was Disco? Adams. Was Disco in yet? No, thank oh. fuck. Um, fucking Michael Wall Street had already been a member of the NWO at that point. Vincent, of course, is still very much in the NWO at that point. Like, it's just... Yeah, it, it's a it's a mess that's stable at that point. That's a you know obviously that's a fucking multi layer question. Um, I do want to say I found that thread on Twitter yep. by the way at Hollywood J the letter J Black B L A Q uh, at Hollywood J Black. He was the one that had the thread up on Twitter crash. I DM'd it to you on that platform. It's um, it's that going goes up. over the entire history of the Bloodline story, and it's. It's fucking art like it is, man. It is. They have not had a story like this in a long, long time. And again, I will critique the way that company handles themselves and rightfully so. But only talking about that product from a storyline perspective and in particular the Bloodline story, it is one of the best things they have ever done and that wrestling has ever seen. Period. Zero argument. This is one of the greatest things about recording a podcast and then posting it. Uh, it's already up on our Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's already up on the uh, the official second turnbuckle Twitter, which again yeah. is at, at 2ND turnbuckle. That's Had to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll crash with that. We could wax poetic for a while, but we both have things to do. You have a I got minor illness to, to shrug off. <laughs> I've got I got nothing. I honestly I've got 15 minutes left of a hockey game to watch. There you go. Well, I will let you get to that hockey game 
and we will let people get to the rest of their day. But we thank you if you have listened to this point in the show. And if you haven't, then hey, um, the very least crash. We're just, again, like I said, maybe we are just two friends sitting here shooting the shit about wrestling for an hour. And if that is the case, I am okay with that, whether someone listens or not. We will We've see you. We got a steady 10, <laughs> 10 listeners that tune in every time. So yeah. we love you guys. Uh, we should see you next week and probably the Wednesday after. But later on this month, uh, I will be in Finland. So we are going to miss at least a week uh, of this podcast. Unless Crash elects to do uh, a solo show, which, hey, more power to you if you would like to do so. For now, we'll see you later. Enjoy the wrestling, everybody, because it's pretty damn good right now. I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up, you know, me going at it alone for my Bobby Heenan quote. I got a perfect one. There you go. That's what I was waiting for. A friend in need is a pest. Good night, everybody.